You're listening to Across the Table, a healthcare private equity podcast brought to you by McGuire Woods. Across the Table brings you inside the conversation with the specialists and professionals of the healthcare private equity industry. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Across the Table. This is Kayla Marty. I'm a attorney in our healthcare group in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm going to be speaking today with Alexis Rathborn, a Managing Director of Investments at Trident. We're so happy to have her on. Alexis, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, at the beginning of every podcast, we always ask our guests to introduce ourselves, tell us a little bit about your organization, and tell us about some of the things you're most excited about and focused on right now. Absolutely. And um, thank you so much for having me on. It's uh, It's always a a privilege to get to chat with you about these types of things. So my name is Alexis Rathborn. I'm a managing director at Trident. We are a lower middle market private equity fund. We focus on three core sectors, consumer, healthcare services, and industrials. Um, you know, we're really at our core small business investors. So we look at businesses that are typically between, call it two and 20 million of EBITDA, but I would say we typically skew between, call it three and 10. Um, And our whole business model is really around penetrating a piece of the asset class and private equity that most private equity shops sort of deem as too small. Um, And so we use a combination of technology and operating partners to access that stage of the market. And as it comes to healthcare in particular, you know, we really focus on uh, on roll-up strategies, you know, primarily um, around, you know, specialized physicians. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's been an area that we've seen a vast amount of interest. I know that you and others attended our healthcare private equity event in Chicago this year, and there was a high level of focus on plastics, cardiology, yep. um, and different other subsectors. What type of acquisitions have you been most focused on and excited about? Is there a particular subsector or a few particular subsectors that you think are really, really hot? Yeah, so we have a platform in the optometry space. And so, you know, I would be remiss to to not highlight that as an area that we think is extremely interesting. I think just the level of unconsolidated practices throughout the country make it incredibly compelling. I think the synergies that you're able to exercise pretty quickly um, in in an industry like optometry, not necessarily as complex as, say, a plastics or a cardio. So for us, you know, that was our first foray as Trident into in healthcare services. But, you know, we see deals really across the spectrum. And, you know, we have spent time in plastics, you know, we've spent time in cardiology. We have a particular thesis um, that we're investigating right now around, you know, subspecialties in cardiology. So I think in our minds, it is less necessarily about the industry and the subspecialties specifically, but more about finding the right asset within those specialties and identifying the right partners to be working with in in sort of those those sub-industries. Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned your thesis and the way in which you 
identify acquisitions because I think that that you all are really thoughtful in that space and have really spent a lot of time thinking about who is the right partner, who focuses on the right elements of different businesses for you all. Do you want to talk a little bit about your thesis overall or any elements of your thesis that you think would be interesting to our guests? Yeah. So, you know, we are fundamentally believers that, you know, people make the world go round and, and people run businesses And so for us, it really is a primary part of our investment thesis is identifying the right operating partners, identifying the right partners to invest alongside and understanding that in many scenarios, you know, we might not be um, the most specialized group in a particularly complicated subsect. But what we are very good at is, is finding the right partner to bring into that investment with us and to make sure that we're really using the breadth of our network to think through the entire um, ecosystem of, of whatever that particular investment structure is. And I think one, ta- you know, one area that we have absolutely no problem sharing credit with is, is that you know, we, we believe very much that our operating partners are CEOs um, on the ground, our physician partners are just as much the drivers of our success as as anything else. And so, again, I think focus and understanding that that is what is driving so much of our value creation strategies is what allows us uh, to be appealing as partners to to doctors and physicians who are looking for partners on the capital side. Absolutely. And Alexis, if it's okay to ask you, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your experience with independent sponsors, just because I know that that is a focus area for you all. And that's not the case for all private equity funds. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, going back to the idea of making sure you've got the right partners at a table, a, a key part of our investment thesis is, again, working with either operating partners or independent sponsors uh, to find really compelling uh, investment opportunities that are not banked, that are off the beaten beaten path, and finding partners who have really strong subsector expertise that they're able to bring to the table. And, you know, independent sponsors, I think, as a cohort, have a really unique ability to do that. And I think, you know, listen, independent sponsors come in all shapes and sizes, but the, the seasoned, specialized groups of individuals, whether they have a background in private equity or a background in operations, in our mind, um, are really fantastic partners moving forward in these kinds of transactions. Yeah, absolutely. And it's an emerging space and people have been very focused on it. So I think that it, it's of interest of a lot of our listeners. Kind of changing gears, but still in the vein of acquisitions, what do you think has been the most challenging aspect of acquisitions that you've seen this year? We've heard a lot of people talk about it's the debt market. We've heard other people talk about it's rebounding from COVID and trying to really understand what the businesses are going to look like in a post-COVID era. What has been your experience with the most challenging aspects of acquisitions you've been looking at? I would say broadly, it's been valuation. And I think the reality is that everything that you just touched on plays into that. I think, you know, the tightening debt markets, you know, fundamentally or, you know, make the implication either valuations have to come down or 
You know, equity partners have to be willing to write larger checks. I think that becomes challenging as you're thinking about returns. I think really understanding what happened during COVID for different practices, understanding whether, you know, there was a COVID bump or or a loss of revenue in COVID and understanding how that really plays through in a post-COVID world. And I think really the disconnect that happened at the end of 21 into 22, when valuations were still really strong, really high, and there was this expectation that any practice in any subsector should be trading at, you know, XYZ multiple. And, you know, that I think was the mentality that people were holding on to for a good amount of time. And there was so much money chasing the same assets that people sort of stopped asking the question, are we paying the right price? And I think where I sit and something that we talk about extensively on our team here is, are we paying the right price for these assets that we're looking at? And, you know, understanding, are you able to create enough intrinsic value in these businesses as you grow them to justify the price that some people are asking for? And, 98% of my job, for better or worse, is saying no to deals that we think are overpriced because I can tell you from where I sit, the biggest mistake private equity can make or any investor can make is overpaying for assets simply because it's an interesting trend that you see your cohorts around you chasing after. Yeah. And so I think for us, you know, holding on to that discipline in the face of so much market turmoil, whether it was COVID, whether it's the debt markets, whether it was recently what happened with, you know, in the banking sector, sort of holding holding the reins and making sure that you're being true to your investment thesis, I think for us has been has been crucial. I agree. I think that most of our clients and contacts have acknowledged that for some time now there is an outsized seller expectation versus reasoned investing. And and some investors have been meeting those seller expectations and some to their detriment. And others have been staying, as you said, true to an investment thesis and waiting for the perfect investment that makes sense from a fit perspective, from a monetary perspective. Um, And those tend to be paying off quite well I think one of my expectations and observations has been that people that that overpay often feel more pressure to perform. And sometimes that can lead to investments that either underperform or outsize expectations with physicians. But I think you're right. We're consistently hearing that as one of the most challenging aspects. With challenges often come some opportunities Are you seeing certain trends? Are you watching certain trends in the industry that make you very excited or things that you're you're really focused on and hoping play out or anything that you want to highlight that are really, really interesting and exciting trends? Yeah, I mean, I think for for us in particular, we tend to focus or try to focus at least in areas that are less consolidated. And so when we think about exciting investments, it really is about trying to think through the right 
the right geography, the right asset class, the right partnership in terms of investing in a business. And I think, you know, what we've seen in terms of the the businesses that we've invested in thus far is that when you are proper cap- properly capitalizing, you know, these businesses and you're able to acquire assets at attractive prices and put the right resources in place with the right people, you are able to to capture that growth story um, that you had originally started with. And I think for for us, when we think about what's exciting, it's watching that unfold and then taking those learnings and then trying to apply them into to different and new investments and, and different subsectors. And so I think where we're seeing areas of excitement is for better or worse, private equity is now a word that most physicians are very aware of. And so you're seeing increased opportunity to penetrate markets that have either been relatively closed in the past or, you know, thought to maybe be unattractive to outside capital, really open up to the idea that, again, with the right partnership, with the right incentives, you can create really lucrative investments that are in practices that are giving their patients really great really great healthcare. And so I think for us, you know, what we find exciting is being able to pair those two things together, you know, which is what we're trying to focus on when we look at investments, right? What, where are the industries that private equity, where Trident, where our ethos is, can enhance a practice and help bring the right business mindset or operations focus to to a series of practices and not just create value for ourselves and our physician partners, but also create a fundamentally better experience for the people who who those physicians are caring for. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that probably dovetails in to who you partner with, right? That is the driver of the ability to deliver on better healthcare for patients, better uh, investments for your investors. And there is a synergy where those can meet with one another. I think sometimes private equity has gotten a bad rap if those things have not been perfectly in sync, but that often goes to the fundamental question of who you're partnering with, how much you're paying, is it a good fit? Is it the right trajectory for your organization? In my view, where private equity has the biggest problem is when you look at a business, particularly in healthcare, and all you try to do to create value is cut cost, as opposed to trying to build a better business. And I think an area that we spend a lot of time on is making sure that everyone in our value chain, every one of our shareholders uh, in that value chain is reaping the benefits of the growth that the business is creating alongside our LPs in, in our in our funds. Absolutely. Absolutely. And obviously, those are the things that you're really excited about. I am sure there are trends that are also giving you concern, whether it be on the debt side, whether it be on the availability of quality practices that have pricing expectations that meet yours um, or, or something else. As we kind of wrap up, what trends are giving you concern or what things are you watching really closely? I think certainly on the debt side, trying to understand where we're going to be or or at least, 
you know, a sense of what could happen in the next 18 months is something I'm sure everyone in finance is focused on at the moment. And, you know, you're certainly seeing that come through as you take, you know, deals to to debt partners and, and think through capital structures. You know, I think that will continue to be the case for, you know, the next year. And so watching how that plays out, I think is going to be critical. I think for us, one of the things that I we always go back to is, you know, just because you can put two businesses together doesn't necessarily mean you should. And so in the same vein of saying, we're seeing a lot of opportunity to penetrate different um, subspecialties and create real value. We're also just constantly seeing different sort of assets thrown together and, and trying to be shown as a transaction. And I think for us, again, making sure that businesses are actually meant to be together and that you're able to create real value is crucial. And so just because you can add things together and it does technically make the revenue higher, does technically make the EBITDA more, doesn't mean that those businesses are going to integrate properly together, right? So understanding the underlying culture of businesses, I think, is just as important. Understanding the underlying, you know, synergies that people are are thinking through in the underwriting process, you have to have more than just what you can put on paper. And I think more often than not, people underestimate how complicated some of that integration can be. And everybody loves to put more synergies on a page and be able to create a bigger pro forma EBITDA. And so I think for us, you know, that's something that we're, we're hyper aware of. I agree. I mean, uh, we say around here that there's <laughs> exactly. only so much scotch tape you can put together before it falls apart. Uh, so I think that the the uh, integration is critically important to be in a position where you have a high functioning, patient care focused business, which I know is what everybody uh, strives to achieve. So I think you're spot on on that. But thank you so much for joining us and our our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Across the Table. We look forward to having you tune into our next event. Thank you so much. We appreciate you joining us on this episode of Across the Table. To learn more about today's discussion or to contact us, please visit our website at mcguirewoods.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This podcast was recorded and is being made available by McGuire Woods for informational purposes only. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that McGuire Woods makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in the podcast. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily reflect those of McGuire Woods. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice from a licensed professional attorney in your state and should not be construed as an offer to make or consider any investment or course of action.